When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. Lots to reflect on today, including three draws in a row. We've got some reaction from new Bristol City striker Lewis Journey and also some reaction from Dean Holden and what he said. We'll be discussing that after the match against Fulham. Also, Gregor's heading down to speak to Lee Johnson today, so we'll have that in there. Uh, some more stuff on Gustav Engvall and his future at Bristol City. But Gregor, let's start by going back to Sunday's game against Leeds. Uh, I watched on the telly, you were there. Now, we said before the game a point would be decent, but again, maybe it didn't feel so decent after having that two-goal cushion. Yeah, I, I, it, it is a good point. However, there was just a bit of an opportunity there, I think. Um, Leeds were missing a fair few players. And it was, it's, it's really a compliment to the way Bristol City are playing in that the first sort of 60, 70 minutes, I could only see one winner. but then Just well, like against Sunderland. Yeah, but the final 20 minutes, obviously they fell away a little bit and actually they were lucky to hold on at the end because mm. obviously oh, Soga hit the bar. bar yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I do agree to uh, um, an extent with what Dean Holden said after the game um, and Lee um, that basically it's two bad results two collapses but just it's just a coincidence of those two games coming up because I know a few people have pointed out on Twitter that it's now been mm. sort of six big collapses over the last 18 months yeah but um, a lot of them were last season as well and this is a different team than a different team in the way they play than last season is it? I, I'm not, I'm not so not sure think, about so that let's rewind yeah. to 12 months and uh, I, let's go back to Reading. I think it was maybe it was New Year's Day or the second of January last year, and they lost three. But they lost three two. Yes. Now, when teams are coming back at them, at least they're getting points out of it. Last season, in that really bad run, sort of from Christmas through to well, it felt like springtime, but it was probably about ten weeks when they couldn't get a win from anywhere. You know, they were losing games from winning positions yeah don't get me wrong I don't think there's a problem there at all and yeah I mean we're going to come on to this but yeah they're they're picking up draws they're picking up points but you're right they're not losing so yeah there is progression there but the the argument that doesn't rub for me is um, because and this is what Dean was saying um, this week in the pre-Fulham press conference is that last season's games collapses don't count because it was a different uh, different personnel well I went back and looked at for example the the team for the Sheffield Wednesday game um, when they were 2-0 up at Hillsborough lost 3-2 that was um, the first of the six occasions let me let me guess how many of the same players were there. So at the start at eleven, I would say eight, seven to eight of the eleven were there, and that's a that's an estimate. Is that about right? That is about right. Yeah, Bobby, yeah. Bobby Reed came on for the last ten minutes as well. So I, it's, it's mainly the, the main players. However, yeah, we're sort of digressing. Different coaching staff, yeah, you know. Yeah, we're digressing a little bit because, uh, and ultimately, I don't think there's there's an issue there. Um, so I think but, they're much stronger but, than, than last season. I do. I, I do as well. I agree with that. And even though they are similar players. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, and um, I think yeah, the last few games is yeah, it's been disappointing in the way that 
City have got those draws, but um, ultimately they are draws, they're not losses, and they are in a great position. So, uh, yeah, still all to play for. And I still think they're going to make the top six. Well, the, the game against Fulham last night, Ashton Gate, it was a very different game. You know, obviously against Sunderland and Leeds, they had those decent leads, very decent lead against Sunderland. We've gone over that in the previous podcast, so we're not going to nitpick over that again. We've just talked about Leeds and how ultimately, OK, it was, it was a good point. Disappointing to collapse a little bit again. But against Fulham, it was a different type of game because they had to come from behind. Now, let's talk about the first goal. Was it Bailey Wright's man, Mitrovic? Or what happened there? Because it was a lovely ball by Cyrus Christie, a beautiful ball. But how did that get through all the Bristol City defenders? And how was Mitrovic pretty much unmarked to poke home? That's what, What's worrying me a little bit is going forward, I think Bristol City is still OK because they're scoring goals. But defensively... It's been a bit frail of late. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that's maybe the main area of concern at the moment. Not a huge one. Uh, last night, yeah, first of all, I think it's an absolutely beautiful cross from Christie. It's the outside oh, it's of the foot. Beautiful. The weighting on it is perfect as well. Um, I was discussing it with my colleagues and the girl, the guys in the press box as to whose fault it was. Um, I think it's a little bit harsh to single out anyone. I think as a unit, you look where Mitrovic puts it in from and you look where the two centre-backs are mm. and even Magnussen as well on the, on the left. It goes right and between they're, them. Yeah, yeah they're, but they're all so, so deep. They're almost they're almost in a starting position on the six-yard box, whereas most coaches, I'm sure, will tell you they'd want their centre-backs pushing out the, and the whole defence in a line and pushing out to the edge of the area. That, that should be the the point where that they drop off to. shouldn't be dropping any yeah, deeper. Because when that. Cyrus Christie played the ball in, he was... He wasn't that far up the pitch. It was it was a cross, but it was a forward cross. It was sort of he was in line with around the eighteen yard line, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, he oh, was from the and right side. Yeah, Patterson was tracking him over, um, and you'd probably think, to be fair to Patso, that that Christie on his what you would be thinking would be his left foot wouldn't wouldn't be in too much trouble. The yeah. angle he's going at obviously puts in that beautiful cross with the outside of his right foot. Magnuson was kind of in no man's land, not really affecting too much. But then you've got Baker and Flint behind him, and I'd probably attribute more blame to those guys because yes, I because yeah. I, I think they've dropped too deep. I just think they've got to push out, got to be more aggressive. Yeah. And after the game, Dean Holden sort of alluded to this. He said we were too respectful for the first 15, 20 he minutes. Did say that, yeah. Didn't get into their faces. And, and Mitrovic as well would have been Flint or Baker's man it wouldn't have been Magnussen's would it in fairness because I've got to say I thought Magnussen against Leeds on Sunday played really well at centre back what, what is this <laughs> I've had some stuff make I'll a note stuff. of the time and date I've had some stuff <laughs> off people on Twitter saying oh what are you on about with Magnussen but you know the reason that I've been a little bit critical of him is he's been at fault you know in a couple of key situations this season which is fair enough I still think he's much better at centre-back than left-back he was okay last night against Fulham he didn't really do that much wrong he was a little bit out of position for the goal but I wouldn't say it was his man but I I actually think that against Leeds him and Flint did a, a decent job uh, I know they conceded two goals but for Magnussen to be paired up with Flint like that they did well I thought last night Aidan Flint was quite poor um, well, yeah, OK, I'm going to start with Magnussen. I thought he was very good at um, at Leeds as well, and uh, that long throw, I mean, is such a weapon. Such a weapon, isn't it? Last yeah. night, obviously, two goals against Leeds coming from it. Flinty, yeah, I, I thought Flint was a real menace in the opposition box last night, he, and he had a couple of chances. The one that surprised Why me... Why did he swear it? Yes. Why? <laughs> that was quite 90th unlikely. 90th minute, Aidan yeah. Flint... He's eight he's yards out. He's got to out. shoot, yeah, he's got to shoot. Though, Put your laces through it, lad, and yeah. he squares it. But there was a couple of things, you know, he did have a couple of penalty shouts, but sometimes, sometimes he gets so angry on the pitch. You know, I understand, like, he, he his passion and, and what have you, but 
sometimes when he's protesting, the ball's already broken away. Like, I noticed it a couple of times. Like, he sort of throws his right arm up and hammers it back down and is protesting to the ref. And Fulham had already got the ball out and were not quite countering, but they were getting the ball out and he got to run the length of the pitch to get back. Now, he had a couple of opportunities which he wasn't great at, but also... Um, he just got caught the wrong side a couple of times and then against Sessegnon, Sessegnon was a little bit too quick for him and he, Flint sort of overplayed it and put it out for a corner. So is, do you think Aidan Flint is getting tired? Do you think he needs a rest like Joe Bryan? Possibly, possibly. I think it's an interesting one. I, I would go right back to the beginning of the season, in fact, and I know he wasn't in the team at first because mm-hmm. of transfer-related stuff, but I actually think, to an extent, um, uh, Lee Johnson wanted to have a look at Jens Hegler. Remember he started... Um, in the back four. Well, I've, was it not Pisano at right back and Bailey right and Baker? Yeah, he, he did. He did have a good look at all of them, but he particularly gave Jens Heckler time there, and he and he made a point as well in a couple of interviews in the summer that um, sort of. I don't know if it was pointed towards Flint, but he was saying that one of the areas where he wanted to see Bristol City improve was at the back in bringing the ball out yeah. and basically being a bit more composed, um, a bit more showing a bit more technical ability and being yeah playing out from the back a bit more. And I think that's why he gave Hegler um, a chance there. And I know, well, I think Yen sees himself as more of a centre back anyway. Um, and yeah, basically had a look at him, and I, I, maybe if Flint's got one weakness, is maybe he could be a little bit com- more composed for me at the back at times. Mm. But but he kind of balances that out with being an absolute monster in the air that we yeah. know he is, and yeah. solid in the challenge. I, I don't think he played too badly last night. I wouldn't wouldn't criticise him too much. I, I just but think now we've seen that Joe Bryan's been dropped. Mm-hmm. By the way, who said that last week on the podcast? Uh, no, in all seriousness, you know. We said maybe Joe Bryan was getting a bit tired. Would he be dropped? And we didn't think he would be because Gregor didn't think he would be. Joking. Uh, because he's such a key player and he's so talented. And you know what? He came on and he played well when he came on last night. But does it show now that no one in this team is undroppable? Because someone tweeted me saying, no one's undroppable. And I thought, yeah, no one is. So when Pisano comes back, if, if Pisano was ready to play tomorrow, would possibly for the seven-side derby, would we see Pisano at right back and Wright and Baker in a centre-back pairing? Or do you think he'll stick with Flint? Because he's, he is, so, let's be fair to Flint, most of the time he's solid. I think he'll stick with Flint because, um, for a start, I'm not sure that any of the guys are going to come back and be fit enough to take part. Possibly Gary O'Neill on the bench for like the last ten minutes. But Pisano's away off still. Y- yeah, a week or so. I, there's an under twenty threes game um, on Friday night against Charlton. Gary O'Neill's already been um, mentioned as playing in that. I wouldn't be surprised if Pisano gets um, a run out then as well. Um, so yeah, I don't think either will probably make Sunday, but but possibly O'Neill might grab a, a place on the bench. And I think, actually, I was discussing this last night again, uh, o- O'Neill would be fantastic to be able to come on for the last 10, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And I think City have missed that kind of player, sort of uh, all action, uh, making those lung-busting runs, basically pressing really hard, not necessarily having to do too much with the ball, but just, just getting in their faces, getting tackles in. Well, uh, yeah, uh, Luke on, on Twitter said... Is there any possibility of Aris Bassano featuring on Sunday? He said, especially after Bailey Wright's dodgy performance last night. I think, I've said this a few times this season, I, I, I do like Wright as a defender. I just think he maybe needs to improve a little bit going forward, mm-hmm. offering the team a little bit um, He doesn't always get forward, does he? He just no, make it. No, he's, that's probably because he's naturally um, a defender, isn't he? And has more often played as a centre-back. Um, yeah, his distribution wasn't the best last night, but defensively solid. And I did tip him to boot up Ryan Sessegnon a couple of times in the air. And <laughs> I think he, he successfully did he might that. might have done that. Rachel says on Twitter... Why isn't Liam Walsh playing? 
Yeah, good question. Um, there would have been a chance, obviously, with Pack um, being suspended. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a few minutes um, against Cardiff. However, oh, but Cardiff is such a physical side, and he's not the biggest lad. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's an he's interesting. Not start, one. Is he on Sunday? No, it's kind of how you look at those kind of situations, though. Do you go with a player who's completely different? You're going to try and out football and go round them, um, or you're going to try and fight fire with fire and bring in more physical players but then at the same time let your, your style go um, I, I think he might get a few minutes towards the end of the game or something on Cardiff Brownhill for me has been fantastic over the last few weeks and this season in fact generally yeah. Um, so yeah he'll probably be in the middle again with Smith who was outstanding last night by the way. oh Corey Smith's always outstanding you know for, for me oh, it's a tough one to say he's player of the season and we'll come back to this at the end of the season obviously but definitely a contender for player of the season got one from Gordon here on Twitter who says uh, no question that Bristol City are on a tough run of fixtures uh, apart from Preston away although and maybe Borough I think City could go unbeaten and win most games in March and April do you agree? most are winnable on paper after Cardiff a draw in Wales would be a good result I do completely agree with that. Um, I, I you said this a few weeks ago. Yeah, didn't we? I th- I think City are going to turn the corner. It might not be Sunday, unfortunately, um, but I do fancy them to finish the season strongly. And the, uh, one of the reasons for that is because that's kind of what happened last year. And I don't think there's. Um, I think there is some um, significance in that. It's maybe to do with the fitness or the weather changing slightly, these kind of things, strength of the squad. Um, it's weird how teams sort of go on these runs, and every team has had a bad run. I mean, just Fulham um, earlier this season, Cardiff had... I mean, Wolves um, drew to all last night. Yeah, they, and, uh, they uh, gave away a lead. Exactly, yeah. Wolves blew a two-goal lead last night, didn't they? So that just goes to show how tough the championship is. Anyone can do it. So, yeah, I do fancy City to finish strongly there. Jordan says, this is a savage tweet, okay, and this is uh, Jordan's words on Twitter. Ask Gregor, what's the point of Ryan Kent? Jordan is always savage, by the way, too. (laughs) Um, Um, I mean, Ryan Kent, I can't make my mind up. He's got such good feet, but so many times last night against Fulham, he could have whipped it in. He could have played a simple ball. He could have played a five-yard ball, and he gives it away. And it's just like, I don't want to compare him to Cristiano Ronaldo but do you remember Cristiano Ronaldo when he first joined Man United didn't have the end product it's a bit like that isn't it yes it's a good comparison on that actually because I was trying to rack my brains to find um, a player who'd improved their 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 output yeah their balls in the final third um yeah, Ryan Kent, he's got some work to do there, but he's got grabbed a couple of assists. He does look dangerous a lot of the time. I think maybe, yeah, maybe he, um, Lee Johnson has been a little bit generous with the time afforded to Kent on the pitch in recent weeks, but but he has he has been playing well, and I do think he's getting better and better. Um, last night, I thought all the new guys, um, Joni as well, really put a shift in for the lads, and it was great to see them. Tracking back, getting a foot in. Mm, we'll come yeah. on to we'll come on to Johnny in a minute. I just want to get one more Twitter question in before we move on to speaking about Lewis Johnny. Tony Wilkins says, if victory happens on Sunday, and the run in Bristol City have, would you say a playoff spot is more or less guaranteed? Personally, I take away a point at Cardiff and then focus on winning all the remaining fixtures. <sighs> Tony. That's a big big question. Would you say a playoff spot is more or less guaranteed? No, I'd say no way. I wouldn't say guaranteed, but I, I get where he's coming from and I would agree with him in such that it would be such a huge morale-boosting win against a really difficult opponent. Looking at the fixtures to come and bearing in mind City are, what have only lost one of the last six games now um, So in the league. So, they just love a draw at the moment, don't they? Yeah, they just love a draw. But yeah, I, 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 I do think they can do this. 
Okay, let's move on to um, Lois' journey then, because we had a quick chat with him after the game, and here's what he said. I think I show uh, everybody uh, I want to, to do good, good things, and tonight I'm, I'm sad because uh, I was... Uh, no, I had one opportunity uh, for go to... And I lose my... I lost my... Um, my control. I want to success all with myself. Yeah. And when I miss this, so uh, I'm not happy. I can now I can see outside the two friends, a new country and new new team. So uh, I learned the English football and it's a good experience for for me. So I need to play for for. So, Gregor, uh, we heard from Lois Journey then. It hasn't been an easy start at Bristol City. He's yet to score. He had a bit of a chance last night, which we just heard him talk about then. It's just not falling for him, is it? And you, it's almost like he's trying too hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is going to be um, a really great project for Lee Johnson. Um, this is going to be superb. If Lee can turn this guy around, get him playing to his utmost um, and, yeah, firing to maximum potential, then, yeah, he, get, he gets a, what, £10 million man, really. So this is um, a fantastic test for Lee. And that, it might not work out because it doesn't always in football, does it? But, yeah, I, I just... I, when I watch him, I see a little bit of potential and I thought last night he did show a bit more endeavour, a bit more willingness to run for the team, a bit more, yeah, w- w- um, willingness to get his foot in there, make the physical challenges. He, he did win a couple of balls he, he held up held up the ball fairly well not brilliantly remember there was that sort of 50 50 block tackle that just flew up in the air and almost played in Patterson down the left mm. do you remember that one yeah pa- he did Passo crossed it yeah yeah and they almost got in from it didn't they but it's, it's funny talking about the physicality as well because um Salisa Yukanovic the Fulham manager was saying how physical Bristol City were last night. That's not something we've talked about much this season. No, no, and um, in the press conference, actually, Dean Holden was asked about it. One of the journalists said to Dean, um, I'd take that as a bit of a compliment if I was you, because you, yeah, you've roughed up Fulham, and that's exactly um, what you want to do from a, a cynical point of view. Mm. Um, knock them off their stride, you know, and unsettle them. That's what you've got to do, and that's what I sort of mentioned with, with Bailey Wright um, how to handle Ryan Sessegnon well that's part of the game isn't it get mm. get the elbows in there and uh, knock them up in the air and you've got to Lee Johnson's mentioned this a few times hasn't he this season he's talked about his players learning the dark arts and uh, like a lot of people have said on Twitter why has Zach Viner gone out on loan to Plymouth well one of the answers is so he plays regular first team football and he learns these just little, little items niggles. that yeah exactly that, that all add Tread up on the toes exactly all add up yeah it's not it's not necessarily a, t- um, a sense of antagonising the opposition it's no, just it's putting things. them off their game and dominating it's things like yeah. if you're watching a corner some players are really clever that they don't pull their shirts but they just stand close enough to their to just sort of have a finger on the bottom of their shirt and it stops them getting away things like that just give them a big shoulder barge just getting in their face in the first five minutes that sort of thing and yeah. hassling and harrying like Bristol City did last night yeah I, I'm going to sort of clarify what I was saying there in terms of it's not necessarily um, you don't have to be necessarily physical either it's more a case of having an effect on the opposition and there's mul- yeah, there's many ways of doing that yeah shirt pulling or, or being physical or just a really well time challenge 
challenge, but you've got to do one of those things, basically. And Joe Bryan is the master of a well-time challenge, isn't he? When he came on last night, by the way, I think he's done enough to be starting on, on Sunday for sure, hasn't he? He made a yeah, fantastic what? tackle as soon as he came on. Yeah, Although he did give a ball away with a terrible pass. Yeah, good good marauding run down the left, as we, as we know from him. Question for you, Michelle. Mm. Do you think we saw the two best left-sided players in the Championship last night? What, with Sessegnon and Joe Bryan? Well, we didn't see much of Sessegnon last night. I think their 4-3-3 system didn't really pay dividends for him getting forward and he did have that one time when Bailey Wright missed the header and he got him behind but I think Ryan Sessegnon if Fulham don't go up he won't be there next season will he? I think he's the new prodigy coming through he's 17 years old he's got a twin brother in Fulham's under 23 academy as well so I just think the Sessegnon name is one to look out for the best young left-sided uh, player Joe Bryan is definitely one of them I wouldn't like to put my neck on the line and say the boat, the, you know, the best because I think some of the best wingers in the Championship play for Cardiff City, and that brings us on to the seven-side derby. I'm talking about Junior Hoylet, and I'm talking about Nathaniel Mendes Lang, two very good wingers. Uh, let's talk about the seven-side derby now. Firstly, how do they deal with the pace going forward? I know the reputation for Neil Warnock is that you know they're always a physical side, but if anyone's watched Cardiff City this season, they do play quite a nice passing game. They do get it up the channels, and they do exploit the pace of Hoylet. Um, Mendes Lang so surely Lee Johnson's going to have to start Joe Bryan yeah I'd be majorly surprised if he doesn't come back in um, yeah I, I do think City similarly to against Fulham will have got the, the sort of weapons to neutralise a lot of Cardiff's attacks They, I thought it was obviously a fairly close game at Ashton Gate um, I do like Wright and, and Brian and Magnuson all as defensive options on the flanks. So, yeah, I'm not too fussed about um, Mendes Lang. I, I'm a big fan of Hoylet, though, and he's, he's, he's been in good form recently. Um, and, yeah, obviously Magnuson, um, remember, he made a mistake, didn't he, in that first game at yeah. Ashton Gate? But, uh, but hopefully he's learned from that and isn't going to give any space to the likes of Lang. Team Magnuson will start. What do, we, what do we think in terms of starting 11 then on, on Sunday? Because, you know, Baker and Flint are back. You'd assume they're going to be the centre-back pairing, fielding in goal. Then is it going to be Joe Bryan at left-back and Bailey Wright at right-back? I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Magnuson at left-back, Joe Bryan at left midfield. Ryan Kent dropped? Yeah, Ryan Kent um, on the on the... A bench and rested. He's played quite a few games recently in a short succession of time after mm-hmm. after his winter break yeah. um, in in the Bundesliga. Um, and then yeah, Patterson um, probably on the other side, and obviously the, the two front guys who were magnificent again last night. And, and Brownhill and Smith in the middle. Yep. I mean that's a great team on paper, isn't it? How do you see this one going? A midday kickoff Sunday afternoon. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be there because I'm down in London presenting, so I'm going to miss this game, which it's not on telly either. So I'm going to try and listen to it because I finish at midday uh, on my presenting shift down at Sky Sports so I'm going to uh, pop it on and be driving back to Bristol probably feeling quite tense because it's incredibly difficult to call Cardiff City are on this fantastic run at the moment they've got back up into second spot after having that dodgy spell Neil Warnock has really he's got that siege mentality hasn't he at Cardiff as well, you know, Bristol City taking a sellout away crowd. Gregor, what's going to happen? Well, for a start, you can bet your bottom dollar that um, Neil Warnock's going to have a few things to say in the run-up. He, he does love to talk about mm. Bristol City and Bristol City fans. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a few lines to come out over the next few days. Did you hear what he was saying, just um, on a side note, about uh, there's obviously been a lot of talk this week about how the Wigan fans went on the pitch after they beat Manchester City, and Neil Warnock was co- has come out and said one of the worst experiences he's had is at Ashton Gate, and when they beat them in the playoff semi-final. So when he was managing Crystal Palace and they beat them, and uh, the fans were in his face, 
Mason thing. So I thought, interesting timing to say that before yeah. the Seven Side Derby. Mis- mischievous, I would say. He is mischievous. And you know what? I'm going to say this, and I know a lot of Bristol City fans dislike him. He's actually a nice guy. It's all bravado. It's all playing up to the media. But, wow, he's good at it. When he came off the bus at Ashton Gate, um, sort of summed him up because he he came off and he got big boos from obviously from the city fans, but he sort of raised his arms in like a pantomime villain style, and he really enjoyed it. And then the boos subsided. And to be fair, he was he was great. He stopped and signed autographs. He had a chat with the city fans and that. And I think I think yeah, a lot of city fans will respect him. I think you you got to take your hat off to him in terms of his managerial record. He's doing a good job at Cardiff. He, he looks like. The Bluebirds, well, it looks at this moment like the Bluebirds could be going up with them, the way they're sort of, I think they're four points ahead of Villa. And yeah, yeah this game is, is going to be um, a real humdinger, I think. And when uh, we go into this game, there's a very realistic chance that Bristol City will not be in that sixth, sixth spot. You know, the te- team, some of the teams below have a game in hand as well, but they play on Saturday. If Bristol City aren't in the top six, mentally, how, how hard is that going to be going in? Would it matter? I don't think it'll matter on this occasion because... Because it's such a big game, um, local seven-side derby, of course, um, I sort of agree with um, Tony in that if they could get that win, and they just got to focus on that, if they could get that, that, that win, this could really light up the end of the season. For them. Mm. OK, and you're going to be speaking to Lee Johnson, so let's hear what he had to say now at the Bristol City presser this afternoon. That's the beauty of the Championship, I think. You could go to Spain for example, and, and play in the top league or the second league there. And every game's very similar, very technical, um, slow-paced tempo with injections of speed. But the championship is amazing like that because you, you go from uh, effectively a beautiful game of football potentially to a dogfight um, in every three days. So uh, I think it'd be an interesting game. You have to respect... Um, the work that's been done at Cardiff over the last 18 months because um, they're similar to, to ourselves they've, they've turned themselves from sort of like relegation fodder if you like to um, promotion candidates and, and even more so in Cardiff's case than our case so um, it's an interesting game it's one that we want to win it's a local derby we know the importance of it the players know the importance of it and uh, we want to make sure that we make the fans happy. Interesting to hear the thoughts of Lee Johnson then when Gregor spoke to him at the Bristol City Presser earlier on. Uh, Gregor, let's finish then by speaking about Gustav Engvall. Uh, I saw him in the tunnel last night. I've got to give uh, a little thank you to Scott Murray. I was walking past, he's like, do you want some pizza? I was like, oh, no, it's OK. He's like, I've got some left over. I was like, I'm back out with a pizza for me. A, ve- right, a veggie pizza. A veggie the- pizza, but Gustav Engvall was there as well, having, having a joke and a laugh. Um, you know of what could be happening with his future. With, yeah, with Gustav, there was a bit of... Um, I, I can't remember if we spoke about this, really, but um, there was a chance he was going to go to Bronby in the last window. Yeah, we, yeah, we spoke about this. A, yeah. a source um, yeah, um, confirmed to me that there was a deal close with Bronby. It didn't get this done. This was a source so. outside of the club, wasn't it? This was uh, a, yeah, it's outside of the club, um, close to the player. Um, and, yeah, they confirmed the deal was... Close to Bronby, um, I, I understand Gustav was keen to go, but it didn't get sorted out for some one reason or another. And yeah, as I understand it now, he's going to um, 
stick at Ashton Gate to the summer and fight for his place. And I think that's great to hear. And from what I understand, he's um, getting on really well with Nicholas Eliasson. And you've got the two Swedish guys there together. I'm yeah, actually... Yeah, it must be tough being away from home. Yeah, I'm actually a little disappointed he hasn't been given a bit more time to um, show what he can do. He was warming up last night and I thought he was going to come on at one point, but obviously um, Joni got the shout. And well, I also... think he deserves as much chance as Joni at the moment because Lewis Joni hasn't really shown exactly. that much. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, Corley Woodrow isn't getting on at the moment. Obviously, Matty Taylor's out. So you'd think now is the time for Engvall to get to get a shout. I think so. And I think he showed a couple of nice touches when he has come on against Bolton and Watford. There were just a, a couple of glimpses of, of the talent that he's got. So, um, yeah, yeah, good on him for sticking around and, and going for it and um, I'm hopeful he's going to get a bit of time or at least be able to show behind the scenes to Lee and his coaching staff what, what he can offer. Before we finish, uh, let's just share something that you witnessed of, of Lee Johnson last night. So last night the post-match duties fell to Dean Holden and I do my post-match in a different area to you. You do it up in the press conference room and I'm down in the tunnel. So you see things that I don't see. And you saw Lee Johnson walking past with... Well, yeah, it was just odd because he came past the press conference room with both Steve Lansdowne and Mark Ashton, the three of them. Um, and, yeah, it looked to me like... Well, they were going to Mark Ashton's office for a start. It looked to me like they were going to deliberately discuss something. And I have to emphasise that this doesn't normally happen. Normally you don't see... Well, I've seen Steve down there a few times. I've seen Mark down there a few times. I've seen, obviously, Lee down there a lot. But they're never together, the three of them. So... Um, it looked quite deliberate, like they were going to discuss something. So uh, we'll try and find out a bit about that. In fact, I might well ask Lee about that today and um, yeah, hopefully find out what they were talking about. Oh, after the game, I always go up to the boardroom. So uh, normally, obviously I didn't do press yesterday. So um, my family was up there, my dad was at the game, uh, my wife, my little girl, uh, my mum. So given the fact that I didn't do press Steve and Mark always come down after every home game just to uh, discuss what we've seen um, calm, calm, the, uh, calm the situation or congratulate uh, the players or whatever needs be at the time and then uh, it's good to go up to the boardroom and, uh, and say hello really to, to people that you generally uh, have got a lot of respect for and only see on match days Brilliant. Well, thank you, Gregor. We will be back then next week to preview the Sheffield Wednesday game at Ashton Gate and also discuss the aftermath of the seven-side derby. I think aftermath is going to be a good word. This is going to be a battle, isn't it? Dean Holden said that uh, last night when we chatted to him. So, Gregor, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. If you're on iTunes, please rate and review us, and we'll catch you next week. Robins on the Wire.